Hi, everyone, and welcome to Small Biz Gone Viral, an attempt via podcast to humanize the impact COVID-19 is having on small businesses through conversations with the humans that run them. I'm your host, Grant LeBeau, small business owner and guy who can speak firsthand to the giant negative commercial effects of the pandemic. On today's show, we will talk to Jared Gustafson, the founder of a B2B kombucha distribution company, something that definitely did not exist 20 years ago. And fun fact, Jared is the first guest I haven't met in person. Not sure what this will mean for the interview, other than it will be interesting. I'm always saying it, but this show is an audio shoulder for small business owners to cry on. It can be tough to find someone who knows what you're going through, so hopefully this show can do that for you. If you know a small business owner whose business has been hit hard by COVID, please share this with them. This situation genuinely sucks for all of us and probably will for the foreseeable future, but we're going to get through it together. Besides showing small business owners that they or you are not alone, this show is meant to take a snapshot documenting the time-specific effects of COVID. It is my hope that as a series, Small Business Gone Viral will tell the story of the evolution of the pandemic's effects, kind of like one of those pads of paper with drawings in the corner that show movement when you thumb through it quickly. So with that convoluted explanation that probably lost some of you, here are the facts and figures from today, May 28th. 2020. There have now been 5.58 million cases of COVID-19 diagnosed worldwide with 347,000 deaths. The U.S. is up to 1.77 million diagnosed cases, about one in 200 Americans. We also cracked 100,000 deaths in the last week, surpassing the total number of Americans that died in the Vietnam and Korean wars combined. A glimmer of good news. We are seeing new daily cases trending downward toward 20,000, down from the above 30,000 for most of April. Unfortunately, the number of active cases is still trending upward with the 12th highest COVID-related death rate adjusted for population below Spain, the UK, Italy, and France, though three times higher than Germany and somehow 90 times higher than New Zealand and Australia. As with all things these days, there seem to be a lot of misinformation and a deep mistrust of governments and news as a whole, which, on a related note, one in five adults in England think the coronavirus is a hoax, surprising considering they have the fifth highest death rate adjusted for population and are second behind only the U.S. in total deaths. More of the weird, a recent poll showed that almost half the, po- the U.S. population is unsure if they would get a vaccine if one became available. Not really sure how they see this ending. On to employment stats, where we have the best news we've ever had on this show based solely on the fact that it isn't 100% terrible. 2.1 million people filed initial claims for unemployment insurance last week. That would have been record-shattering, except for the past eight weeks, which were worse. This is actually the eighth straight week of declining filings. So more mixed news, more than 40 million people have now filed since mid-March, but only 21 million are still filing because one, the PPP, two, a lot of states are starting to reopen, a contentious issue, which means businesses are hiring people back, they had laid off, and three, companies are adjusting. On to the big mystery that future guests of the show, Warren Buffett, can maybe explain, the stock market. The Dow Jones closed above 25,000 for the first time since mid-March, 
This in spite of a quarter of the U.S. workforce having filed for unemployment at some point in the last eight weeks. It's almost as if Wall Street is maybe not reflective of Main Street. That was a lot of me talking, so let's get to the interview. My guest today is Jared Gustafson, founder and owner of Kombucha on Tap, a Southern California full-service keg distributor of products including kombucha, nitro cold brew coffee, tea, and more. Possibly the most SoCal company ever, Jared saw the writing on the wall, capitalized on a market trend, and established his company as the go-to supplier of kombucha to restaurants and food service joints all over San Diego and LA. Jared, thanks so much for being here. Pleasure being with you. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and uh, I'll just get it out of the way right now. Uh, your wife does a podcast, and therefore your microphone is better than mine. And if people can, if people just if they tune in and they're they're not sure whose voice is whose, uh, the more professional one is yours. I will always start this uh, my sentences by saying, "This is Jared." Then, okay, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> uh, now you are the first guest of the show who I have met in person. So I have even more questions than normal. So let's just get right into it. Uh, I guess start, tell me a little bit about your background and what made you into the guy who saw the kombucha trend coming early enough to be kind of the first to market, at least regionally, that I certainly know of uh, as a distributor. So, I, you know, I had never tapped a keg until starting this business. Um, so that gives you a little idea of kind of my background initially in this. Steep learning curve. Exactly. But willingness to learn. Uh, that's the bigger thing for any business owner, especially uh, somebody starting off a new business. Um, you know, I, I'm a very active person in the outdoors, uh, love climbing, hiking, backpacking. You know, if it's done rugged, I love to be able to explore the world in all its different ways. I used to work for Outdoor Channel Television, a cable TV network that was based in Temecula. They since moved their headquarters to Denver, Colorado. And while I was working with them, a uh, trip took me up to Bend, Oregon. And the, the girl that I was dating at the time used to work in Bend as a TV news anchor. So she went with me to visit friends. That girl turns out to now be my wife, Deanne. And while I was working, she was out visiting friends and, and saw kombucha on tap everywhere she went. I had no idea what that beverage was. But when we were out together, she would just pretty much force feed it to me. She's like, wow, you, you got to try this. I've been drinking it in bottles for years, but I've never seen it on draft. So I said, okay, you know, I, I'm always open to try something new. Uh, you know, there's very few foods that I don't enjoy or, or aren't willing to try at least once. And uh, the more she tried it, the more she told me about it, it, it really fit into my active, healthy lifestyle. And so we did some market research and found out at the time, but this was, um, August of 2013, that no one was really doing kombucha on draft in Southern California and said, hmm, this sounds like a great opportunity. So we launched the company in January of 2014 while I was still transitioning out of Outdoor Channel and then, you know, kicked it off in 2014 and really went to the races there. Um, we yeah. started with kombucha, but quickly moved on to cold brew coffee after that and then other beverages. Right. Cold brew is certainly another big trend. I was just telling you before, as we were just started talking for the first time that I have myself recently got into cold brew. Uh, and we were also talking about how later on, perhaps this weekend, you're going to be delivering to me a four tap kegerator. 
Absolutely. Uh, two of the t of the taps, which will be for my homemade kombucha and cold brew. So yeah, it's a trend. Uh, you know, never better time than right now when, uh, you know, when there's mo the, the most possible time we will ever have to throw at a hobby. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you answered a couple of my questions. Uh, you started in 2013 and you had no prior experience in kegging at all. So for those people who don't know what kombucha is, it's a a, it's a living drink that uh, can certainly have its issues in a keg because it's something that continues to grow um, and ferment. And, you know, obviously at, at refrigeration, that is for the most part uh, going to be halted. But I guess what I'm saying is it's certainly not the easiest thing to get into. So just give me a, a little background on kind of like some of the issues you had, what were some of the growing pains, uh, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, you know, never having to, deal with a draft system before not knowing about it uh luckily I, i'm very uh curious and and find myself uh leaning towards the ability to figure things out so so you know how hard can this be you know i can i can figure out a draft system i can read instructions and you know, we worked we started working with one producer when we came back to start the company we didn't act, we don't actually produce any product we work with other suppliers that produce it um so uh, my wife had met a supplier at a Whole Foods demo. Uh, her name was Ann Smith. Uh, Ann's Kombucha was her brand. She was out of La Jolla. And so we contacted Ann and said, hey, we've got this idea to start doing kegs in, in Southern California. And, you know, my wife had met you and, you know, struck up the conversation. And she's like, sure. I mean, really, she had zero to lose. Uh, we right. bought the kegs. We brought the product from her. We had to find the customers out in the field to be able to sell it to so it was really a win-win for her, um, and the learning curve went on to me. So one of the things we learned, as you mentioned, with kombucha being an active beverage is it really has to be filtered in order to be able to come out of a keg. For anyone not familiar with kombucha, there's a, the active starter is the SCOBY, or the mother, as some people say, and it's, it kind of looks like a gelatinous pancake is the best way to say it. And it, it grows little tentacles. Um, and in order for it to flow through a keg, because the orifices of a keg can be pretty small, you can't have any of that matter going through that's going to be more than, you know, a certain micron size. And early on, we had plenty of kegs that were getting clogged by the strains of SCOBY coming out of there and learning just how fine of a filter we needed to be successful in the kegs. I, I can't tell you it'd be more numbers than I have fingers and toes, probably times 30 people of how many times I had to go visit a client, pull a keg, take it back to the commercial kitchen, restrain it, clean all the fibers out of the keg posts, and then put it all back together so that it would actually pour properly. It was, it was a very interesting, uh, process, but hey, I'm, I'm a better person now because of that. Right, right. Uh, well, hopefully you didn't lose too many kegs. Uh, did you ever lose customers off of that? Or, or did you have a little bit of insulation because you were the only one doing it? We had a little bit of insulation because we were the only one doing it early on. And a lot of the other 
suppliers at the time, because the process was so new, were having similar problems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it really just came down to service. They'd, they'd call us, we'd go there and fix it right away. We'd either, you know, bring a keg to them because we had backups, or if we didn't have another one, we'd pick up their keg, fix it and bring it right back to them. So, so luckily a lot of them, because it was a new beverage in the market, um, for draft, a lot of them were being more flexible, uh, with us being able to figure it out as we went along. Gotcha. And so you started about six and a half, seven ish years ago. Uh, so obviously you've seen some pretty significant growth. Is there, and I, I feel like I, w- I should know the answer to this, but are there many other competitors within that space now? And as kind of that first mover within Southern California, do you have an idea of kind of the market share that you have, or is that kind of, kind of a cloudy, uh, uh, industry to, to get real solid numbers on just because, you know, collecting from independent retailers is never an easy feat. Yeah, it, it certainly would be difficult to be able to know the, the true number just based on there, there's no scan data for us. Like, right. you know, if, if a product went through a grocery store, you know, you'd be able to see what the spins data was on that or the turns. Um, I, I know what my data is. The other suppliers don't don't share what their data is uh, for me to be able to compare it, but it, it certainly has gotten more competitive more recently because not only are there myself, that's a distributor. Um, there are, there are some other smaller distributors and there's actually a, a pretty big distributor that came out of New York that started opening um, satellite offices up and down the, the coast. So, you know, we're competing with them. Uh, they're more on the corporate space side of things, but that's certainly a market that, that we enjoy. And then there's also suppliers that don't want to work with a distributor and they just self-distribute. Right. So, you know, we, we I, I kind of know based on certain stats that, you know, we're, uh, you know, based on some of our suppliers, uh, you know, we're their largest keg distributor. Um, but, you know, I, I don't have any figures to back that up right. of what that means against anyone else. So if you were to guess, you'd say probably a, a majority, but probably a slim majority. Or, or at we'll least go a, with that. Uh, in, okay, gotcha. I, I will, I will humbly go with that. Okay. <laughs> um, so when you and just like to to add one thing to that, when you say someone is more on the corporate side of things, you mean that they're basically providing instead of a water cooler, they're providing a, a keg to as a as a perk or an incentive for their employees. That's exactly right. Yeah, the the coolest water cooler that they could have, which is. I know from from my standpoint, uh, one of the best possible customers you can have because all you have to do as a as the vendor is sell to one person, and that's the office manager. And then, assuming you have a good product, it's going to sell because they don't have to pay for it, right? You don't have to have that uh, that equation making sense. It's just like, hey, do I like this? Great, it's free, fantastic. I'm going to drink a bunch of it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes, yeah, you you know that very well from your business. Yep. Yep. Um, okay, so this is kind of the, the segment that I call the the BC, the before COVID. So uh, let's say you, we kind of already touched on like on market share competitors. Uh, how many employees did you have uh, in February? In February, we had ten employees. Okay, ten and ten full time. Ten full time employees. Gotcha. Yep. So we have a warehouse in San Diego and Vista. And then we also had a warehouse in City of Commerce, Los Angeles. So we had three employees working out of our commerce office uh, and then seven working out of our Vista office. And then 
as far as the kind of like the the number of doors um do you have any idea kind of where you were uh let's say again you know january february number of doors serviced or or number of kegs you know going out the door or just, just kind of something as we can so we can establish like a sort of a, a benchmark as we look to compare to the rock bottom numbers of march and april so in january we had a really big goal to kick off 2020 it did with health and wellness being in the hearts and minds of people our goal was to get over 2,000 kegs in that month which is a really big uh, goal for us based on the holidays are just ending and things are just starting to kick back up. Um, we didn't quite hit the 2000 mark, um, but we did get 1800 kegs. So it was really exciting for us to be able to still reach that, uh, that mark. And it really showed that there was a lot of momentum in 2020. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, it definitely seems like an industry that, that keeps growing. I, I keep on finding kombucha on menus of, well, I don't find them anymore cause I don't go to restaurants anymore cause nobody does, but before this all started, I was seeing kombucha on more and more menus at places that you wouldn't ordinarily find it. It was like, it may be like a, it, like even uh, a, a burger joint. Uh, I don't even know. I don't know why I said a burger joint. I don't really go to burger joints, but places like that, 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 you know, that ordinarily wouldn't be associated with kind of like this hippy dippy, you know, weird bacterial drink. Uh, but now all of a sudden it's like, it's so mainstream that, yeah, of course, everyone has a kombucha. Exactly. Yeah. You know, as wellness and, and health become uh, in more people's minds, less people are going towards the soda side of things or sugary drinks. So they still want that refreshing, cool, bubbly beverage and kombucha fits that very well. Right. Uh, okay. So I think we, we've kind of laid the groundwork for the rest of the show. The next part that we're going to transition into is kind of the, the MC, the mid COVID. Uh, but first, um, at the end of every show, I share my unsponsor of the show, um, AKA a company that has no idea I'm talking about them, but they just do such a good job that I think they deserve a shout out, uh, probably cause subconsciously or consciously, I wish someone would just do that for my company. But, uh, so today we're going to add a guests unsponsor, AKA a company that our guest you has no formal tie to or financial incentive to promote, but you think they just do such a good job that they deserve your support and all of our legion of listeners. So Jared, who is your unsponsor? My unsponsor would be Good Anya Deli and Encinitas. Now, uh, you know, full disclosure, they are a client, but this will not uh, provide me necessarily any uh, more uh, financial incentive. Um, they really have gone above and beyond um, during this uh, COVID time. Um, you know, they, they are an organic eatery, but during the COVID time, they became a um, fruit and, fruit and uh, produce house for, for the residents to be able to go and, and buy fresh produce from. Um, they've really opened themselves up to the market, um, donating to healthcare workers and first responders and frontline people, and just really showing the community how much they care. Um, the owner, Chris Buchanan, has gone and done weekly videos on Facebook just to talk about what's going on in, in the community from her perspective, um, how much she cares, and also just to show, really give glimmers of hope to everyone that th there's still people out there caring and willing to be able to help anyone that they can. Yeah, it's always good to support a, to support a company when not only is the product good, 
but you are supportive of their mission and kind of who they are as people and how involved they are, kind of what they do with the money that you are sort of funneling through their company to them, assuming there's some leftover at the end, which is a rarity, but I digress. Yes. Um, all right, so good on you, Deli, in Encinitas. All right, let's get to the MC portion of the show. Uh, when did you begin to see effects and kind of what were they as the shutdown started to take, take place? So the, the week of March 16th, uh, Monday, Monday, the 16th is when, you know, really the word of the possible lockdown came out and the week, two weeks prior to that, we had already started hearing from some of our corporate accounts that they may not be open or they're not allowing any people to be able to come in into the office space to be able to um, service anything. So if they wanted to get a refill, you know, we would drop the kegs on the sidewalk out in front of the building. Somebody would come down and grab it and take it back into the building. So really, really right off the bat, we started uh, feeling that. On Tuesday, the 17th, we had to um, furlough some of our San Diego Vista staff because all of a sudden the phone stopped ringing, the email stopped coming in, places just went into shutdown. Um, it, it was a really surreal time for me. Um, People can't see me, but I am vigorously nodding my head. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, go ahead. You, you surreal. The, the the surreal side of it too was my dad was actually dying. Um, he died on the 18th. So that Tuesday, I had to let some of my San Diego staff go. That Wednesday, I had to close my LA office. That Wednesday night, my dad dies, and Thursday, I have to be in the office to make sure that what little bit we have left is still workable, you know, right. reaching out, reaching out to, to all of our, our current vendors, uh, all of our suppliers, uh, any of our clients that are still around uh, just to, to get a pulse on what's actually happening out there so that I'm not just hearing it from the news or, or not just hearing it based on speculation from, from the, you know, the phone's not ringing or the email's not coming in. Um, so it, it was just, Surreal has really been the best word that I've been able to find to describe that just because of the series of events that happened so close together and really just all of a sudden my focus having to really be on, you know, when I, when I had to go and talk to the, to my employees and let them know, Hey, you know, I, I'm going to have to let you go for right now. And it, it was a, I'm letting you go for right now. This is not an eternal thing, but I, I you know, I had to say, you know, I, I really, have to do this because there has to be a company for you to be to be able to come back to. If I don't have a company for you to be able to come back to, I'm doing you a disservice. And you know what are we doing here? So it, it was really something that okay, you know, yes, my 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 dad died. Um, it was something that was coming up. He, he died of cancer, but it, it seemed to in in the final days it went pretty fast. But okay, you know, I have more than just my dad and my, my mom and my brother to think about now, you know, I, I have 10 other people that I have to really be cognizant of because their livelihoods are, are tied into this. And if I don't have a company for them to come back to, 
um, I, I'm going to feel like I'm really disappointing them as well as disappointing myself. First of all, I'm sorry to hear about your dad. I can only imagine what that week was like. I mean, I, that's probably going to be a week that stands out as the worst week. I mean, uh, I don't know how you could possibly top that between the, the personal and the professional confluence of things. And yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to hear about that. Oh boy. Um, so one thing that I want to emphasize that you just hit on uh, and did so, so eloquently is addressing kind of a, um, not a misconception, but just that sometimes when you are letting people go, it is for not their own good. That's, that's a weird way of putting it, but that you have to have a company for people to come back to. And it isn't always, oh, the owners are up there like in their ivory towers making these decisions. It's like, no, you're, you're still getting your hands dirty. I, I haven't asked you about this, but I can almost promise that uh, you probably didn't get paid for some decently long period of this uh, as your revenue went from, you know, 100% of whatever it was in, in, April, or in February down to, uh, well, I guess we can just go straight into that. Obviously, things continued to get worse and, and kind of snowball as there was so much uncertainty. But where did your revenue go with 100% being February down to the, the worst portion of this? It was extremely rapid, Grant. Um, from that first start, so you know, we could say from the 18th of March, 90% uh, of our business disappeared. Rest restaurants closed, um, or you know, we had just restocked them, so they weren't ordering again now for, for weeks at a time. And corporate offices closed, um, so it was, it was drastic. Well, a saving grace for us, grocery stores were jam-packed because people were buying up all the cleaning supplies and toilet paper. And we have a lot of self-serve stations set up at different grocery stores. So those were going really strong. Uh, quite a few of our grocery partners placed some pretty large orders in that first week. So that, that was really good. And then the second week came along and the health department shut down all of the grocery store self-serve stations. So then right. we went from 90% to 97% closure. Oh my gosh. And yeah, it was, it was, it was literally that extreme and that fast. Um, you just set a new record on the show in a, <laughs> and probably a record that you, that you didn't want to set as far as loss of revenue. Uh, I mean, not, not even month over month, but like day over day, it sounds like. It was, it was, it was, it was incredible. Um, you know, the only, the only way that we were able to get through this is luckily, you know, my wife has a great mentor, uh, group that she's a part of. They're called CEOs. It's a group of women, uh, business owners that she gets together with. And, you know, one of them had the idea, you know, before we could tr trouble, you know, brainstorm ourselves and come up with it later on in, in the life. But, uh, that we needed to get a direct to consumer model going going fast. So we we, we you know had she one of her friends helped us get a Shopify page going within a day and a half, and we started going direct to consumer because everyone was at home. Everyone was at home. Right. Everyone still needs the great products to be able to keep themselves healthy, especially in this time. And we had the products to be able to get it to them. It was just a matter of most people don't have a kegerator at home. 
And so we luckily, we have vessels called growlers, cans, bottles to be able to still provide those products to them without it, you know, needing to worry about a kegerator. And we started selling direct to homes and delivering straight to homes. And that really helped out tremendously, you know, within, after the first week and a half. So instead of, hey, hey, Colligan man, hey, kombucha man. The kombucha man, exactly. Yeah, I mean, th- this, this last, you know, couple of months, it's been, it's been nothing if not a time for commercial innovation, uh, especially for so many of, you know, us small businesses. It seems like everyone has just been not grasping at straws because that sounds so hopeless, but making some really big pivots to try to find new sources of revenue, which just just to sustain them through this dark time. And then on on the glass half full side of that is, and this is what I try to tell myself when I'm <laughs> see, seeing the, the the downside of all of this or feeling hopeless, is that the groundwork that we are laying now rapidly to try to infuse some revenue coming into the company is something that as doors start to open and our and the faucet starts to turn back on from our normal our quote unquote normal uh, sources of revenue our traditional sources of revenue that it will be in addition to hopefully the what was kind of the the sustenance during the the fallow period that was covid so in short, when all of your commercial buyers come back on, when all the restaurants open back up, when all the, the corporate offices open back up and, and demand goes back up to 100% and you're up at 1,800 kegs a month again, you will maybe, instead of having 10 employees, have 11, 12, 13, 14, because they now have, instead of paper routes, they now have delivery kombucha routes going neighborhood to neighborhood, dropping off growlers. That's exactly right. Yeah, it, it's not a part of our business that's going to disappear after this. It really has allowed us to be able to expand into a new market that people are desiring. And, and we're looking to, to figure out how we can even further that market through subscription models. You know, if, if people just do a subscription, you know, a month, you know, a biweekly or a monthly um, subscription just shows up at your door with, you know, coffee, kombucha, different wellness products in there. Uh, it's a win-win for everyone. I, I might have to not have my wife listen to this episode because otherwise I, I know she's going to sign up right away and uh, just add one more subscription to the list. <laughs> uh, but hopefully I guess I can address that if I can just go ahead and if you can just uh, drop off that kegerator, I can get that cold, the homebrew cold brew and kombucha going. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. She'll be well taken care of on that front. Right. Although, of course, the irony of that is I'll still be going to you, I'm sure, for for tips and tricks. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Um, so kind of last question here, uh, before we move on to the kind of the last segment, did you, were you able to take advantage of the PPP? Was it helpful were you, and, and kind of how quickly were you able to hire people back on? And I guess I've kind of skipped over, have you seen a resurgence and resurgence, resurgence might be a strong word, but have you seen an uptick at least up from that? Well, certainly from that 3% level that you were at. <laughs> But how have you seen a return of business as uh, you know people are a running out of that last delivery you made you know March fifteenth or before, uh, and then b as guidelines are loosened and and people, you know, the public whether they're getting antsy or just allowed to go back out they are um, is that starting to to help out with business again? Talk a little bit about that. 
That was a lot of prompts. <laughs> <laughs> that was. Let's start with the PPP. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Thank you. The PPP, we did receive that. We actually received it um, a week and a half ago is when we we got it. So, you know, we we applied the moment the PPP was launched and our big bank, we didn't hear anything. We stayed on top of them and so they said, okay, you're in the queue. And then we got a little message from them saying, you know, sorry for our, you know, bad communication, but the funds have run out. We'll, you know, we're noticing that they're going to fund again and we'll let you know how that goes. Uh, so I'm like, okay, you know, it, it wasn't something, you know, as, as bad as this may seem, I would have been able to bring our employees back right away. But I mean, there wasn't really much for them to be able to do. It was just more so, okay, we're getting them back on so that they're not having to worry about being on unemployment. And then, you know, we'll, we'll be able to do further training with them or, or other tasks. Um, you know, okay. So then the, the second round of PPP gets funded and we get the funding right away. And then uh, within a week's time, uh, we brought back all the employees that wanted to come back, which, which was 90% of them. We only had two employees that, uh, you know, one of them for a, for a family side of things. And, and another one was just, uh, wanting to um, stay in their family business. Um, they decided they did not uh, want to come back, but everyone else came back. So that was great. And I was able to open our LA warehouse back up. Um, our home deliveries in Los Angeles were really taken off. So it's been great to be able to have enough to occupy the time, even if, you know, the, the, the volume that we're doing still does not fill a, a, an employee's 40 hours, but because the PPP, they are paid the 40 hours regardless. And then we can, you know, either say, you know, Hey, you know, we don't have anything for you to do today, you know, go home, you're going to get paid anyways, or, uh, we take it as an opportunity to be able to do further training for them so that when things are ramped up, we're not having to worry about doing that training when their time is much more condensed. Right. And hopefully, as you've been able to to find other sources of revenue, maybe you can put aside a little bit of that and almost like you can end up stretching the PPP funds to last another month or two. Because I think that obviously, I mean, I don't think obviously the the lockdown and the guidelines and and even as those are loosened the ramifications will continue to extend the ripple effects will continue to extend for for months and so until there's a, a full resumption of of income uh hopefully that that ppp funds can kind of stretch a little bit um, yeah and i mean as as we're recording this the the ppp uh, guidelines are currently going through congress with quite a few changes to them um, so we'll, we'll see what that uh, outlines. Um, but in addition to the PPP, we also um, got approved for the EDIL loan from the SBA. Um, so that's going to help us um, in the long term. I mean, for the PPP, you know, that's only supposed to, we're supposed to spend it within eight weeks, um, eight weeks of time when everyone's still on a, a pretty firm, you know, stay at home order. Uh it, it's, Certainly, that eight weeks will get yeah. That eight weeks will get sucked up pretty fast. Um, but having the EDIL in there will help out significantly as well. So before we move on to kind of the, the PC post COVID part of the show, 
uh, were there any other bigger kind of pivots or or additions to your business that helped you survive or is helped you survive and of course in the present tense is helping you to survive as so many of your regular sources of revenue uh, remain closed yeah yes i mean luckily having great suppliers has been a, a huge benefit for us um, kombucha cold brew coffee all of our products are perishable um, luckily, kombucha has a, a pretty long shelf life, uh, depends on the supplier. Um, and then cold brew depends on the supplier as well. But we have, with our Los Angeles warehouse closing down, we brought all of that product to our San Diego warehouse. And we were just, we, we had a full count of just what SKUs we have with the, the shortest code date. And those were the first kegs that were going to get out the door. So, you know, for Shopify, right. uh, you know, if people are going to buy growlers, where they're going to buy growlers, the product that we're listing is that because it's going to have the shortest date on there. It's still a great product. It just has the shortest date. So we need to move it out. So we're not turning upside down on that. First, first in, first out. Yeah, exactly. Um, but a lot of our suppliers helped us tremendously by buying back kegs. Some of them still had tasting rooms that were open um, for, for takeout. So they were able to buy kegs back instead of manufacturing new kegs and repurpose our stock so that they didn't have to worry about not getting paid invoices. Um, so that, that was a huge help. Um, GT's Kombucha saw our Shopify page and they, they came to us and said, hey, we've actually been wanting to do home delivery for months now. But, you know, we just think it's going to take us forever to start this. Can you help us start this? And we said, absolutely. Um, so within, another, within a week after them asking us, we had home delivery of GT's bottles going to people's homes um, in Los Angeles, Orange County, and San Diego. And GT's, so, GT's is like the Yankees of kombucha. That's exactly right. They're the number one nationwide brand. GT is is still the owner. Uh, he himself still runs the company on a day to day basis. They're they're a great company. You know, as as much as people might think that they're the the huge uh, proverbial gorilla of the room, um, they're very humble. They're very down to earth and and a great company. You know, they they still make great products that people in the kombucha industry, you know, still look towards him as being the example uh, for the industry. So all of our suppliers were great. They, they were great because they really helped us out a lot with being able to get the home delivery side ramped up because they have such a huge audience to be able to, to pitch their products to. Right. Um, but, you know, we, we also looked into um, CSA boxes to be able to deliver to, you know, we're a distributor with a full refrigerated cold chain. And so we can really distribute most of anything, especially products that require cold chain. Um, so we looked at CSA boxes. Um, we found that, Hey, you know, it actually, one of our coffee suppliers, Red Hat coffee had a friend already selling CSA boxes, but they needed refrigerated vehicles. So I said, okay, well, I have refrigerated vehicles that aren't being used right now because my routes aren't big enough. So I loaned them, um, my refrigerated vehicles so they could do their routes. And we were actually able to sell our suppliers products on their platform. So instead of us competing with them, we were able to join forces with them. So they were able to increase their revenue. We were able to increase our revenue. It was a win-win. So it was great to be able to see how companies could really come together to help each other. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. That, like, it sounds so cheesy, but that like warns, warms my little entrepreneurial heart to hear about small businesses partnering with other small businesses 
to to not only survive but to kind of to to thrive in, both in the short term and then you know really setting yourself up for success in the long term when this is added on to like we talked about your your pre-covid revenue streams so i absolutely think that- and, and the the home consumer uh, the home consumer is now so used to getting things delivered to them where you know before it was the the amazon or you know some people would just would do it through some of their other online shopping but th- this was a prime example for people to really learn how this works and I think enjoy it. So there's going to be a, a significant bigger population that will continue doing the home delivery side of things. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that that's, that, that is a trend that is here to stay. Uh, I think that, that's a great place to kind of pivot into the, the PC, the post COVID. So we've talked about a lot of the adjustments that you've already made. Um, is there anything else kind of structurally that you plan on doing to insulate yourself from future change from future, from future uncertainty obviously diversification is a huge first step but is there any, anything else that you necessarily wanted to touch on uh you know one of the other things that we you know as far as diversifying our portfolio and, and that's really what it comes down to is you know what other products and services can we provide to insulate ourselves or, or, you know, give ourselves more revenue streams so that in case one of them is impacted, there's the other ones that are still able to move things forward so that we're not having to go through the extreme action that we had to do uh, of COVID. Um, So getting into more packaged products, um, getting into more of the service based side of things of, you know, custom draft systems building and looking at what other businesses are out there that, that we're going to look to acquire um, that are already doing well, but just, you know, the owners are looking to get out of it or they're, they're looking to diversify their own source. So it gives us opportunities to be able to acquire them, to be able to create, create those other revenue streams. Yeah. Well, I think that's another first on the show is talk of, uh, one medium sized small business looking to, to acquire some other little, little small business fish out there. Can you give me like a, a little taste of what you're looking to, to acquire or is that still, uh, close to the vest? I'd say it's it's close to the vest for right now. Okay, fair, uh, yeah. totally fair. When we can do a pickup episode, another episode, and then I can share it when it's all done. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Yeah, no, that, that's actually the plan, and I haven't talked about this yet because you know, a we just met, but uh, it, and the b the the plan is kind of still formulating. But I, I think that what we're going to do is these first thirteen episodes, and then basically just pick it back up, so that my my goal is to do three seasons essentially, each one being thirteen weeks apart. Uh, so that way we can kind of see exactly how we all transition out of this and kind of w- whether or not those changes and those those uh, insular, uh, you know, the, the building of the fortress around us, uh, you know, to, to get through to the next to the next month, to the next year, whatever, uh, whether or not any of those steps actually ended up paying off. So, I mean, gosh, we, we really touched on so many of these things. I, I can't believe how many different revenue streams uh, that you have found in such a quick amount of time. I mean, like the ability to pivot like that, I would imagine that you were just spinning that little hamster wheel like crazy, but when you're down 97%, what else are you going to do? Right. I mean, that's, that's what you have to do in order to, 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 to survive both you on, you know, on a commercial level. And then, like you said, you know, you have sort of 10 other people who you're, who are counting on you to get them through this, this time that, and that's a huge responsibility. 
That's ex, ex, that's absolutely right. Um, as an entrepreneur, you know, as the people that uh, you have on the show understand is entrepreneur mind is always trying to think, what can we do next? I mean, that's one of the joys of capitalism as well. This is capitalism at its prime is people can be in one avenue and then they can switch and add something else that they wouldn't have thought about uh, originally. Um, this gives them a prime example to be able to like, okay, what can I do next? And, and this really does keep me up at night right now because I'm thinking, you know, what am I not thinking about that I should be doing? You know, yet yes, we, we've added other products. Yes, we've added other revenue sources. Yes, we're thinking about adding revenue sources through acquisition. But what am, what have, what is there that I'm I'm not thinking about yet? You know, so I'm always trying to think of of what we can do to be a, a, a better company overall. And that's the mindset that most entrepreneurs have. Yes, Jared, you are just hitting the nail on the head. We are two peas in a pod here. I literally, when I go to sleep, the last thing I think of, and I think I heard this on some other podcast, but basically how your brain does all of these creative things and thinks outside of the box when it's, when it's sleeping, when it's in dreamland. And so I try to do like this sort of like meditative thing, just a couple of minutes before I go to sleep so that as I'm sleeping, I'm thinking about, you know, what are the what are the things that I I can be doing that I haven't thought of yet that maybe my brain doesn't want to think about during the day when it's you know lights on and 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 task oriented, yeah. How, what else am I not thinking of? Man, that is the that is the million dollar question right there. Absolutely, and, and one of the things that that I learned uh, through another mentor is have a paper and pencil next to your bedside so that because if, if you get these ideas and you don't write them down right away, you're going to have a terrible night's sleep because you're going to be dwelling on them all night long, hoping you don't forget it by morning. So just write it down at the, you know, before you go to bed, it'll, it'll free your mind and then you can tackle it when you're actually refreshed. Jared, that is exactly what I was just going to say. This is, this is too good. You're too good. <laughs> too good. Uh, Jared, that, that's all I got. Uh, thank you so much. This was, this was so much fun. I learned so much. I, I feel inspired about my own business. Uh, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate the opportunity. It, it's great to be able to, to see all the different guests that you have. And I feel very privileged to be a part of that. And, uh, you can feel privileged again in 13 weeks. <laughs> Sounds perfect. I look forward to it. Thank you. Grant. All right. Thanks, Jared. Thank you so much to Jared for being on the show. If your business could benefit by a regular delivery of a keg of kombucha or cold brew coffee, or you want it delivered straight to your house in San Diego or LA, go to kombuchaontap.net. 10 out of 10 studies that I just made up in my head show weekly kombucha deliveries positively correlated with productivity. I am actually buying a custom 4-tap kegerator from Jared to put my homemade cold brew and kombucha, plus my neighbor's homebrew IPAs in, and I'm almost excited for the weeks that I fall behind and get to have Kombucha on Tap deliver another one of my favorite brands, Babe Kombucha. Thanks to Peggy Bunker and the Bunkmates and their frontman and former guest of the show, Ryan Armistead, for use of their song, Geronimo. That's the song playing in the background right now. The ever-depressing, though slightly less than normal, unemployment and COVID stats come from the Department of Labor website, dol.gov, and Worldometer. 
As I always will, I am ending today's show with one unsponsored small biz recommendation. Today's business that you should support if you can is actually an artist. Mariah Reading is an amazing landscape painter slash eco artist. Throughout her travels through national parks and protected landscapes, Mariah creates traditional impressionist paintings on non-traditional surfaces, aka trash, to depict the harms of pollution and climate change. So essentially, she will find a lost sandal, computer keyboard, or hubcap, and paint the landscape where it was found. It's so creative and thought-provoking that Subaru actually featured her work recently in a commercial. You can see her work, buy prints, or commission a piece at mariahreadingart.com, or more likely, go check her work out on Instagram, at mariahreading. And fun fact, because we love fun facts, uh, she's my cousin. Check out smallbizgoneviral.com for all episodes and updates. That's biz with a Z. I would genuinely love to hear from you with your feedback, input, interview nominations, and suggestions for future shows. And, of course, if you want to sponsor the show, you can email me too. Anyone can email me, though, at smallbizgoneviral at gmail.com. Just like with small businesses, if you like this podcast, please share it with friends. And apparently I'm supposed to ask for reviews here. So if you like reviewing podcasts, go review this podcast. Someday, hopefully soonish, this will all be over. And until then, stay safe, social distance, and remember to shop small and buy local. Mm-hmm.